This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show! Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian, as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Okay, so uh, tonight's guest is Mike. Mike, it is an honor to have you. You've been around for a long time, and yeah, I look forward to hearing your story, man. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, um, geez, where do I start? I was born here in Calgary. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, 66, so that makes me, uh, what, 50-something? <laughs> Whoa, no way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've been uh, been around in Calgary for my whole life. I, I lived in Vancouver for a short time uh, in 85. Um, during the expo, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, um, I don't know, like, uh, I guess as far back as I can remember, it's probably about seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. you know, um, my, uh, my father was an alcoholic and he was very abusive and, um, we were removed from our house, um, when I was nine, my um, middle brother was, I guess he was eight, and the other one was five. So mm-hmm. um, we didn't grow up together. I, I became a ward of the court. And uh, so I really didn't have any family per se, you know, yeah. foster homes in and out. I was, uh, you know, by the time I was nine, uh, I think my path was pretty much set, you know, <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, physical and sexual mm-hmm. abuse in the in the house and uh so um i guess i was uh, i felt as though i was kind of a a, a square peg you know trying to fit mm-hmm. in the in the world which is round yeah <laughs> right so um unless it's flat unless it's flat yeah, yeah I, I've, I've heard about that and i'm not really sure that that it is but yeah it doesn't really matter um so, um, probably, I think, I think about 25 foster homes. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. So, um, between the time I was nine till I was 16, yeah. I started getting into uh, group homes and stuff. I, you know, I'm a, an alcoholic, so, mm-hmm. um, I recovered alcoholic. Yeah. Um, I've been sober now for, I'd say, I'm coming up on 12 years now. I was going to say, it's, it's got to be months. close to 15. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, 
But anyway, I uh, probably took my first drink when I was uh, when I was seven. Hmm. You know, um, the the neighborhood that I kind of started out in was uh, what uh, Southwest Calgary, hmm. and uh, you know, it's a lot of people call it Martaloupe now. Oh, okay, but, yeah. Uh, it used to be, and I think it still is Southwest Cal between Thirty Third Avenue and Seventh and Twenty Sixth yeah. Avenue. Yeah, and, yeah. So. That area there, I think we lived in uh, pretty much every apartment down there. <laughs> you know, my <laughs> father, like I said, was an alcoholic. He didn't, he didn't. Uh, I think we'd stay for a few months in each place, and yeah. So um, that's my home home ground. Um, I uh, like I said, the first time I, I I started drinking was seven years old, which is I, I can vaguely remember it. Uh, you know, um, the old man would have guys over for parties and, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be the one picking out the beers out of the fridge and bringing them to dad and, you know, and uh, I'd take the swill out of the bottom of the bottle and drink it and pretend I was drunk and, you know, it was a good old time, so I fit in, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's about all I can remember. I, I, today I live, uh, I live in the same area. Um um matter of fact if i look out my back door i can see one of the apartments that uh, really yeah so, oh that's wild man yeah there's a lot of ghosts in the neighborhood but i bet you, you. Know, it's uh it's a lot better um what is it what does it feel like when you see that building in the well i have one one memory uh of it mm-hmm. other than uh, the drinking part of it was the yeah. uh me and my brothers we used to play out in the back lane and uh and uh I remember there's a a guy parked with the trailer, and I think he was moving one of those U-Haul trailers, oh, okay, you know, yeah. uh, fairly big. And and I coaxed my youngest brother up onto the onto the uh, the running board of the in the back, mm-hmm. you know, where the doors are. And I told him to hang on, and away the car went. And <laughs> with my younger brother on <laughs> on the back, right? <laughs> that's I don't know why that sticks in my head, but I. Every time I walk by there, I think about that. You know, I, I have two brothers. I'd be thinking about that too. All the time. Yeah. So well, obviously he's still alive, so I didn't kill him back then, right? I was hoping that story didn't go bad. Or, you know, well, I could have, yeah. Yeah, it sure could have. Yeah, so so anyway, uh, that's one of the things that I think about. And, uh, you know, my uh, my grandparents live in that area, too, lived in that area too, um, about, to, say, four blocks from where I'm at. and mm-hmm. They rented a place for, I don't know, 30 years. Wow. You know, on 26th Avenue, never bought a home or anything, yeah. right? Just rented. My grandfather was a, he worked at the uh, CP Hayloth Yard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Probably from the time uh, he moved to Calgary and uh, till he died, you know, um, 45 years, I believe he worked for them. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's unheard of now. He worked yeah. on a job for 45 years. I, it sure is. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, my grandparents were always kind of the focus or the, the central mm-hmm. port of, uh, of, of my life, you know, um, after I was you know, 18. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I didn't really get into any legal trouble like up until, uh, until I was 17, uh, you know, out of the foster homes into the group homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started to dabble in into smoking pot and hash and, you know, the usual stuff, right? Uh, 
I didn't really care for it because it made me paranoid, mm -hmm. you know, more paranoid than I am, right? <laughs> you know, um, I've always kind of been a nervous type, and, uh, okay. you know, um, a lot of anxiety and stuff. Mm. So um, um, it didn't help matters. Right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I tried to fit in with the crowd, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm, um, so anyway, um, 17 years old, uh, I just... Uh, you know, because I was, uh, wasn't was in school, I'd quit school. I, I made it to grade nine and, you know, I couldn't go any further. Um, like I said, I was, uh, you know, 15 years old. I may as well have been 30. You know, I was mm -hmm. drinking in the bars and stuff. So, wow. you know, I wasn't a young adult. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, anyway, uh, me and my buddies, uh, I used to hang out with a lot of guys uh, from the downtown area, you know, in uh, in uh, kind of the uh, 8th Avenue yeah. around the bay, you know. I used to go on 7th Avenue, there used to be a, a couple of arcades down there. And, uh, and the Express the, Cafe. Express Cafe, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we hung out there and, uh, you know, I nickeled and dimed, you know, pot and sold acid on the street and you know um i got uh you know in with some uh, i guess trouble kids just like me right mm -hmm. there no real bad people down there at the time you know i don't think there is in now you know just yeah. people that are struggling right but that's uh, that's pretty much what it's full of yeah yeah for sure you yeah. know i'm i've never you know looked at people you know living downtown as uh you know being any any worse or better than me right mm -hmm. You know, but anyway, uh, we went, uh, wound up in, uh, we wound up in, uh, partying up in, uh, Motel Village. Okay. Yeah. So I can't remember the name of the motel, but it's one of those ones that you pay by the hour, right? It's a sleazy place. And... <laughs> well, I, I remember Motel Village. Yeah, yeah for sure. They're doing yeah. the rentals right now, trying that... to get rid of that stink. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't across the street, you know, across 16th Avenue. It used to be, a, I think it was called the Ranger Hotel. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, we we wound up in there, and uh, there was a bunch of us there. We were drinking and carrying on, and uh, um, see, remember, I was 17, and and uh, uh, the two guys that I showed up to the party with, well, we, 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 we ran out of beer, and we ran out of the dope, so... You know, we thought, well, let's go and uh, let's go and knock over some corner stores, eh? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we ended up uh, driving around my buddy's truck. We went uh, uh, down to uh, Boness, and and the first stop was Boness. Uh, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm gonna anyway because it's probably not open anymore. But Mary's uh, Corner Store, mm. it's you know very close to where Simon House is. Okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we we went in there, and I think we ended up with thirty bucks. My buddies went in with the gun and mm. give us the money. And yeah. So thirty bucks. We went to the next place, which is a Seven Eleven in uh, South Cal, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't think we got anything. We chickened out. Yeah. Um, the third place was the Loaf and Jug, which we used to be on Twenty uh, Seventh or no. No, 25th Avenue and 14th Street, Southwest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew the guy, because eh, yeah, he knew our family. Yeah. He knew, we were, he was around there, and so he knew us. And so I went in, and uh, Andy cocked the gun, you know, an old Luger-style gun, and he says, give us the money, right? And 
the guy just looked at us and says, no. And uh, we kind of looked at each other and was like, so now what do we do? <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Well, okay. And so we walked out and that yeah. was it, right? So, yeah. No, I'm, I, I had a place uh, down in um, um, Montgomery. Mm. And uh, it was above uh, some restaurants. It was a, a two-bedroom apartment that I had uh, that I had been given um, by the Alberta government, and it was through a organization called um, Independent Living. Right. Mm -hmm. So just as a be kind of a becoming an adult and in between foster care and that's right, gotcha. yeah, and to being released from being a ward of the court, right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm living down there, and uh, the cops show up and they arrest me, and I end up with uh, two years less a day for the robberies, mm -hmm. right? So um, I'm 17. They decide to bump it up to adult court. You know, there's no Young Offenders Act at the time. And uh, so I wound up two years less a day at uh, Spy Hill. Right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really, uh, I don't know, uh, I was always nervous. But, you know, when I uh, did my time in Spy Hill, it kind of taught me, you know, to put on a jailhouse face and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, be a badass, right? And I was never a small guy. I was always mm -hmm. fairly you know, one of the bigger guys in, in anywhere, right? So yeah. um, people wouldn't mess with me, right? And uh, so that's about the only time I got into trouble, yeah. you know. Um, and it was, well, because of drinking, of course. Yeah. You know, we weren't thinking. And uh, we ended up with that. And and uh, so I'm released. I remember that uh, before before I start with that, I remember the... Uh, I was just leaving the uh, remand center downtown. They were going to transport me to the Spy Hill after uh, the court was up, and uh, the the social worker that was in my on my case, uh, she showed up and says, "Well, basically, there's nothing I can do for you now. You know, you're as soon as you leave here, you won't be under the government mm -hmm. care. You know, so here you go. You're an adult now. <laughs> you're mm -hmm. on your own, right? So wow. I hadn't learned anything. I never yeah. learned how to live. You know." Everything that I did was just chaos, right? Mm -hmm. you know, never had a job or anything like that. So, you know, when I was released from Spy Hill, uh, I went into Seven Steps, okay, and, uh, which helped me, but uh, um, I still didn't have a clue, right? Yeah, you know, I spent the first, you know, three years probably uh, up until I'm 21 living on welfare. You know, mm -hmm. that's when I went off to the to BC to Vancouver to get a job yeah right? you know <laughs> ended up living at the Regent Hotel right on Hastings Street oh, right here yeah so yeah. It was, that was a rude awakening from out of the fire into the frying pan yeah for sure you know yeah. Calgary you know it has its bad mm -hmm. points right but nothing like that I've yeah. never seen anything like that in my life so I hung out there for about a year and uh Never really did anything, just running scams, welfare checks, mm. you know. I came back to Calgary and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a, a daily drinker. I, I mostly just, uh, whenever I had money, yeah. Know, welfare day, it was, okay, let's party for three days and mm -hmm. then just scrape for the next month and and just go for it. Um, so I came, in, came back to Calgary and, uh, you know, I didn't really have any, any skills, you know, I'm 21, 22 years old. And uh, um, so I 
I was pretty pretty lost. I I started. Uh, I, I I went down to. Um, they used to call it Cash Corner, and they probably still do. Yeah, I think they still do. Yeah, yeah. right on Twelfth Avenue or Eleventh Avenue down by mm-hmm. the co-op there. Eh? Yeah, and uh, I, uh, the first day I got on uh, with this guy. He showed up with a pickup truck and two giant marble bathtubs in the back of it, eh? And uh, I have not worked since that day. Yeah. You know, um, I've always been a really hard worker, mm-hmm. good what I, at what I do. And, you know, except for, you know, paying rent and stuff like that. <laughs> never, never really figured out how to do that. You know? Well, that doesn't have anything to do with your work ethic though. No, right? for sure. <laughs> yeah. Except for Mondays, yeah. right? That's like, that's I right. won't be in today. <laughs> I'm feeling really crappy. And, you know, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, I worked in, uh, at, uh, at a marble shop, which, uh, made cultured marble bathtubs mm-hmm. and sinks and, uh, shower stalls and things like that and you know i did that for probably a good 10 years mm. you know different shops and stuff and you know in and out of the shops and um you know i didn't really didn't really uh you know have a problem with finding jobs you know i i didn't have a, a problem with finding places to live either you know mm. but uh, i had a hard time hanging on to them yeah you know, it was more important to go out and party on the weekends than it was to, to pay rent, right? Mm-hmm. So it was always kind of a, a vicious circle, um, get a paycheck, you know, have enough money for a deposit in the first month's rent and, you know, pay it and then struggle through a couple of weeks, you know, party that weekend mm-hmm. and then struggle for a couple more weeks, maybe pay rent, maybe not, it yeah. just depended, you know, so... It was always transient, right? I lived mm-hmm. a lot in the. Uh, I lived a lot at the, in the uh, single men's hostel downtown. Oh, okay. You know that was when when it was ran by uh, by uh, Alberta government. Eh? Was, that's, that's what they called it. it was the single men's mm-hmm. hostel or the booth center? Yeah, it became the booth center, right? Yeah. yeah. After that, there was the booth center. And, yeah. And uh, so that was life, right? Um, I always felt um, pretty much homeless all the time, mm-hmm. right? You know. Um, so never did really get it together in that respect, but I always did work. Yeah. You know, always had that potential, right? I go on a binge and you know, drag myself back up and take me a couple of weeks to start feeling better and then yeah. start it all over again, right? So um What a vicious cycle, eh? It is. It's it's yeah. uh you know, and I, I see that in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where I work and stuff, right? So Well how how exhausting was that for you though? right like mentally yeah yeah very much so yeah yeah i mean i don't know it just uh reinforced the the feelings that i had for myself mm-hmm. and i was, wasn't i was a piece of shit right yeah and you know regardless of the good things that i do in life you know i was always mm-hmm. generous with people and help them out and stuff but, you know at my own peril right yeah I'd give a guy my last twenty dollars yeah, you know, and then suffer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I do. That's yeah. So I didn't think it was. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't think. I didn't, I really didn't believe that uh, I was any different than anybody else mm-hmm. in that regards. Uh, you know, I've I've seen the people with the white picket fences and you know yeah. the cars and stuff, and you know I just couldn't get my head around that. Like, mm-hmm. how do people do that? Eh? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah. You know, because I had a hard time holding on to a hundred dollars, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was a struggle sobering up doing that too, you know. I don't know. Fast forward. I mean, because... You know, my story isn't that, uh, you know, it really isn't that interesting because it was the same thing for a lot mm -hmm. of years. And, you know, um, I don't know. That's pretty interesting, man. Yeah. I Well, and the reason I say that, Mike, is because going in and out of shelters and living living in that life, that's not easy. No, it isn't. Right? Like, it's a hard life. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think so, though. No, of course not. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, you know, I was in... I couldn't get my head around living in a mm -hmm. in a house or an apartment, you know. Yeah. I was always more comfortable in uh, in the shelter, right? Because yeah. I was with my people, mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of thing, you know. And uh, so, you know, uh, uh, I think I'm good. Uh, fast forward to about the millennium. Sure. And, uh, so, yeah, 2000. I don't know if you remember uh, the Y2... I do. K-bug. Yeah. And it, it turned out to be like quicksand. Not near as big a problem as we thought. Absolutely. And, <laughs> but it was, you know, hyped up for a year. I've been talking yeah. to, uh, you know, friends of mine and, uh, you know, talking about the way things are right now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if we had had uh, Facebook and Twitter and yeah, all those things <laughs> during the millennium, I think there would have been a lot more people off the rocker back I agree. then, you know, because yeah. the hype, they just, mm. it's a constant barrage of uh, negative, mm -hmm. you know, but it was bad enough then, you know, I yeah. remember, I remember that New Year's Eve, you know, I got into my Bronco mm -hmm. and I drove, it was a Dover and you could look over the city, right? Uh, oh yeah. And I, I parked there and I'm, I'm, I'm got the, uh, parked uh, looking at the downtown, the city and, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just waiting for all the lights to go off and, you know, for life to be ended. Yeah. And, it's, and there it is five after 12 and nothing happened. I said, fuck. Because <laughs> you know, I expected everything to be done. Eh? Yeah. You know, I uh, I was li living in Dover at the time and uh, with a couple of roommates and working for uh, one of the marble companies in town and... Uh, you know, I was missing a lot of time at work, and uh, I felt, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I think I, I based who I was on where I was working uh, and what okay. I was doing, you know. Yeah. I didn't have any value if I didn't have a job mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so I was starting to worry about my job, and so I, I went cold turkey on drinking. Oh, okay. Um, I quit for three years. Um, in that time, I... Uh, I uh, quit work in the marble company and started working for a builder, uh, building houses. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stayed clean for three years. Um, I think about the only way, you know, if I'm if I'm honest about it, the only way that I got through it was I worked 16 hours a day, seven mm -hmm. days a week. You know, just stark raving sober. Yeah. You've probably heard that term. Mm. You know, um, I've been that term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear you. So I didn't drink, but uh, I also didn't associate with other people. Mm. And uh, all I did was work, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I managed to stay in a good place for a while. You know, I, like I said, I lived in Dover. And the, ironically enough, the guy that, uh, that uh, rented me, the, it was a basement suite day. Wound up me and a, a guy from AA. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, so I, said, was, I wondered about him, man, because I never really talked to him too much. He's always mm. really odd because he was nice all the time, man. And, you know, just always uh, asking me how I was doing and mm. stuff. And I said, what do you want from me, man? I'm paying your rent, you know? <laughs> You're like, why do you keep talking to me? Yeah, man? yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, after a while, you know, being there for a couple of years, I, I, you know, started talking to him. He's, he was always kept, kind of kept it quiet, you know. Mm. He didn't really advertise the fact that he was yeah. in AA or anything, so... Um, he says, yeah, I uh, go to church and uh, there's this group that I go to and, you know, they're alcoholics and mm. would you like to come down? Maybe they'll be able to help you and stuff. And, and I said, well, what the hell would I need that for? I'm not drinking, eh? Mm-hmm. But I think he could see the, the ism in yeah. me, eh? You yeah. know, and, uh, I never did go, you know, um, after a while I moved out of there into another place and still white knuckling it. I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was back then, but I yeah. do now. And uh, I, I, uh, one Christmas, I, I, uh, a Christmas party at the, the office. I usually would just turn down drinks and just leave early and yeah. stuff. This time I went, I went and had a drink, and that started a, a basically a four four year binge. Mm-hmm. You know, I wound up losing my job, and um, it's. Uh, Losing my places, I went through I think two two places to live at that yeah. time. You know, um, I was good with my job, so you know the boss was always happy with me. Although the van took a beating, mm. <laughs> you know how it is. Eh? <laughs> yeah, start off with a nice shiny van, and the next thing you know, it there's scratches all over it. And that's just the way it was. And I was living on uh, living on um, a mission with my brother and. Uh, I was drinking one weekend, and it was a Monday. I called in sick. And Tuesday, generally Tuesday was the time for the staff meeting. We all got together at the office uh, to discuss some of the houses that we were building and stuff, and you know what progress we were having. And I didn't show up, but uh, I, uh, I woke up. Uh, you know, half cut, you know, I had a bottle of Zambuca last night and God only knows what else. And I got into the van and I started uh, down McLeod Trail. I got to around where the Dream Center is. Oh, and, okay, yeah. You know, um, there's an apartment building right up, right up on the other side of the McLeod Trail there. And uh, I rammed my car, my van, into a car that rammed into a bus and... You know, so I'm, I don't think I'm drunk, eh? You yeah. Know, I think I'm on autopilot, really. Mm. Um, so I get out of the, get out of the van and I got, went to the guy's car window and I said, are you okay? And he just looked at me like he's freaking out, eh? Mm. It wasn't a major thing, right? Yeah. But, you know, it was, uh, that'd scare me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I went back into the van and I sat down at the parking, or at, in the uh, driver's seat and I just knew that was it, eh? Yeah. You know, so the cop hauls me out, and I was wearing uh, a right-handed worker boot and a right-handed tennis shoe on the other shoe, on the other foot, so I didn't even have matching footwear, and the cop's just laughing at me, right? Yeah. Just like, what the hell is this, right? Wow, eh? Yeah, so I think I blew, I don't even know, point two or something. Yeah. It's just, anyway. Something absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was it, uh. You know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, lost my job because I can't drive anymore. Mm. And, uh, 
because that was essential. We worked in Cochrane, we worked in um, Signal Hill mm -hmm. and Panama or pa Panorama and Rocky Ridge. And so I had to be all over the city for this job, right? Yeah. So um, I get out, uh, they charge me with the impaired and they set up a, uh, a court date and they said, you can leave as soon as I'm sobered up a bit. And uh, so I got into a cab and the first place I went was the liquor store, mm -hmm. you know, stayed drunk again for a few more days and, and uh, just went on from there. I, um, like I said, I couldn't work at the job anymore. So because I knew so many uh, tradesmen, um, I was in good with a lot of mm -hmm. guys. I knew, you know, drywallers and electricians and plumbers and all that. I, I started uh, doing renovations, you know, on my own as a kind of a general contractor, right? And did it for three years, um, and uh, it was uh, it was good, you know, um, you know, except for the fact that I disappear for a month at a time. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, well, so, that was good for you, just not for the other people. Yeah, for, well, it wasn't good for me either. <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. Like, yeah, it was pretty bad, so. <laughs> anyway, I went through that for a while, and and uh, you know the time was just getting more and more and more. Right, the more money I made, the more I'd spend on alcohol. Right, so you know I I remember I was making probably ninety five an hour cash. Mm -hmm. You know, in a, at a time when uh, you couldn't buy a carpenter. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody was busy as hell. It's just booming. Right. So this guy hired me on and was paying me $90 an hour. So I, 95 an hour, I paid, I worked 10 days or 10 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week again, right? And uh, so I was making a hell of a good money, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, don't have a penny of it left, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, so that increased my drinking. You know, I would uh, um, graduated from, you know, buying a 60 to buy in a case of 60s, you know, and, you know, one, after one really long binge, I kind of looked around and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever felt like that. I, you know, I, for the, for the, for the previous month, I was, I, I, I tied a, a noose and I kind of lifted in my, sitting on my, mm. my, uh, my dresser and I was looking at it all the time. I'm thinking, you know, I, I just, I, I'd rather be dead than carry on with this. Mm -hmm. eh? And so, last my last uh, binge, I uh, I wound up um, I wound up uh, with the uh, noose around my neck in the garage mm -hmm. of the place I was renting, and uh, and uh, I woke up a few hours later on the ground. The rope didn't hold. Mm -hmm. So I'm Thank freezing God. cold on the floor on yeah. the uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, floor of the garage, and uh, I'm just like fuck. I can't even do that right, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so that was kind of my step one moment, you know. Um, yeah. I'm powerless. I need some help with this stuff, mm -hmm. eh? and uh, so I wound up at the uh, Peter Lougheed in the psych ward and stayed there for about a uh, two weeks, I think. Yeah. You know, wound up in treatment. Uh, it's kind of a you know, last twelve years been more or less 
you know, getting myself together. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so how long did you were you sober before you started working where you work now? Um, um, I think I had seven years in. Yeah, yeah. So you've been there for five years, eh? Yeah, um, give or take. Only three years as a as a full time regular yeah. staff employee. Um, yeah, you know, there's always the opportunities to cover shifts. And, yeah, you know, when guys are when guys are um, on holidays and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm responsible. I I show up when I say I'm going to and things like yeah. that. And you know, that goes a long way, right? And you, know, you want to talk about where you work, man? Because oh, I think sure, it's probably yeah, it's, imperative, right? Well, I, I think so. I, I don't know. It's just, you know, coming from, uh, you know, my life, it's yeah. it's a total 180 from what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I'm used to looking after myself, being a carpenter, and yeah. just doing what I do, right? And, um, um, but I, I, I don't exactly remember. It's It's got to be four or five years ago. Around the time that I started working in the kitchen there, yeah. that uh, that I uh, um, or just before I started working in the kitchen, um, I was living at the Dream Center. Mm-hmm. Um, some had some hard times and uh, wasn't making any money, and it was a good place to to kind of you know stay sober and and uh, you know pay a I think it was only four fifty a month or five hundred dollars a month or something. Three meals yeah. a day. It was, you know, it was a relatively good deal. That's right? a pretty so good deal, yeah. It is, yeah. You know, because I wasn't working, and I ended up back doing a renovation uh, uh, for these AA people that I knew, and uh, um, I uh, worked at about, for about six months on it. It was, you know doing the basement and then the, the, the upstairs and um, my leg was really hurting me I you know mm-hmm. I struggled with that job and you know I uh, when I had finished it up I, I walked away we we're just uh, tying up all the loose ends on the job and I just I left my tools and I'm just in real pain eh? I went mm-hmm. I went home I was living in Hillhurst at the time and and uh, so I went home and I stayed and I said, uh, I'm going to take a week off or two weeks off until mm-hmm. I get to, I need to get rid of this, figure out what's going on. And, and uh, I came downstairs one day and, uh, you know, I was having a really hard time breathing. And I, uh, I, um, I said to my friend, you know, I don't know what I should do, but uh, he says, well, you should go to the hospital. And I said, well, I should just wait, you know, see what happens, right? You know, <laughs> We are. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. I can I'll just hang to on to it. Yeah, it'll yeah, be better I'm eventually. Fine. You know. And uh, so anyway, he left. Uh, so I was basically there by myself and uh, sitting on the couch. And I just remember my eyes glazing over. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I woke up in the hospital, mm-hmm. and I'd had a stroke. Eh? Oh, geez. Yeah. So um, fortunately. Uh, you know, the landlord, he lived in the basement, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't usually come up. They had this old dog, and the old dog uh, was sick, and they were doing something with the dog at the house. And Anyway, uh, the dog came in, and he went upstairs, which he, he usually doesn't yeah. do, eh? And he sat in front of me, yeah. 
and, uh, and that that basically, you know, the the landlord was calling him. He wouldn't come, and so the landlord found me just yeah. coincidentally. And, wow! And uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I used to believe that you know things are coincidence, eh? mm-hmm. but I don't think that was because I, I wouldn't yeah. be here today if that dog hadn't done that, eh? Yeah. You know. And, what an ama- What amazing animals, eh? They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, so anyway, I stayed in the hospital for about a month. And, yeah. You know, that was pretty much the end of my construction career mm-hmm. because, you know, I found out a lot of uh, health problems that I had, you know, yeah. some lung problems and heart problems and all this other stuff mm-hmm. that uh, I wouldn't have known about and yeah. if I had not hadn't happened, right? Wow. So I've spent uh, you know, the last seven years dealing with it, right? And, no doubt sticking with the doctors and yeah. doing what they tell me to do, you know, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know. of course, not perfect. No, <laughs> nobody is. <laughs> so. None of us are. So, so anyway, um, um, when I started, uh, started at the house, it was, uh, just around the time that the, uh, cook was retiring. And mm. so I ended up working in the kitchen there for uh, off and on for a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, covering shifts um, here and there. You know, I I made ends meet while I was you know, mm-hmm. while, while I was recuperating, right? Yeah. And uh, and then uh, you know, one of the senior staff offered me a full time position there, and I took it. So right on. So well, they're better off for having you there. Well, for that's sure. what I keep telling them. Yeah. Right? Well, I bet. <laughs> well, not really, but you know. <laughs> well, it's true though. So yeah, I. Uh, you know, because I'm, I came through that house. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I, I was nine months in the house, and uh, and uh, you know, I worked uh, full time while I was there. You know, yeah. going to meetings, and you know, every uh, you know, during the uh, during the week, there's three meetings a day at the house. There's one at between nine and eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a step discussion study, and uh, the afternoon. Uh, uh, there's one from one to three, yeah. and then you break for dinner, and then uh, there's one from six fifteen to seven fifteen, mm-hmm. and then you're you're obligated to go out to outside meetings. So yeah, you know I'd wake up at four thirty, get on the bus, go off to work, come back, get home at four o'clock, or you know have a shower, mm-hmm. eat dinner, have a meeting, have another meeting, go to sleep, and repeat, and that was, yeah. you know, for for nine months, right? And, and uh, so that was, uh, you know, that's what I needed to do because yeah. uh, I don't think that if I hadn't stayed around there that uh, that I would have stayed sober mm. because I don't, you know, I probably wouldn't have stuck to the meetings. Yeah. I would have just went right back to, you know, working and, and yeah. just, you know, how it is. So, Well, you definitely know how it was for you. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I stayed in the house for nine months and... Uh, and then they have uh, what they call now is a phase three. It's a, it's kind of a transitional housing for right on uh, for uh, another about two years. So yeah, well, around three years I was I was around the house. So cool, you know, continuing with the same, you know, going to meetings at night mm-hmm. and meetings at the house and sponsoring people. You know, I got into a lot of uh, a lot of uh, service work and yeah, uh, CGSC. And, uh, 
some intergroup stuff and mm-hmm. district stuff. I was GSR, DCM, yeah. all that stuff. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so for about five years, I was heavily involved in service. Yeah. You know, um, but to be perfectly honest with you, I, I didn't really do much work on myself. Yeah. You know, I, I stayed sober by keeping busy in that fellowship. And, mm-hmm. You know, I started to get uh, a lot of resentment, mm. you know, and because uh, I felt as though I was doing too much. But you know, the irony is that I was doing it to myself. I always, yeah. I always volunteered for everything. I remember one week I was, uh, I went to um, to uh, Renfrew three days mm. out of the week to speak. Uh, to speak. Wow, yeah. it's like that's a lot. Well, it is, you know, yeah, and, and, and I, I started to realize that, you know. That I volunteered for it, mm-hmm. and and I volunteered for three days in a row, and yeah. you know I wasn't helping anybody that was at, uh, mm-hmm. at Renfrew because like maybe they thought that I was the the only person with AA. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah I mean? who knows? Yeah. You know, so um, in a lot of ways, I, uh, um, I uh, deprived people from that opportunity mm-hmm. by doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Um, I uh, I walked away from from that, and uh, s- slowly started to get yeah. crazy again. You know, I never did drink. Right? I'm stubborn. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went through a suicidal stage, and you know, I, I remember um, one time I uh, was at the end of my rope, and I, uh, I grabbed a bungee or not a bungee, a, uh, one of those cargo straps oh yeah tied her up and went out to an old apartment that i knew and it had a drop off and i tied it to the railing and i was sitting there and just i was on my on the verge of jumping you know um again right not drinking start craving so yeah i know what i need to do you know get back to steps and such but um, i just you know, when a person gets to that, you know, you just can't see your way through it. Yeah, yeah of course. You know, and uh, I'm, it's just so, darkness there. Yeah, it's just darkness, and you can't see the light. And if you do see the light, it's a train. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. When you see a light, it's a train coming. That's right. For sure. Yeah. So. So, um, anyway, I wound up back at the, the Lougheed and a couple more weeks and. Uh, and uh, got myself uh, straightened out again, and another, you know, another five years of uh, six year, four years of, uh, you know, CBT, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of things that's very much familiar, similar to the AA, but it's mm-hmm. done in a, you know, a clinical environment, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the language is similar for sure. It is absolutely, yeah. yeah there's not not much difference to it, um, you know, and. Uh, so that brings me to today, basically. Mm. You know, um, you know, like I said, I've been working uh, working at the house now for a few years, and, and we're talking about eighteen thirty-five house. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it's uh, the irony is, I, I remember. I just go back a bit. Eh? I was at the um, at the Lougheed Center, and uh, and the psychiatrist said, "You're not leaving until you make some uh, some kind of a plan on mm-hmm. what you're going to do." Because eh? that wasn't the first time I was there, right? Um, he says, nah, you're not leaving until, so he gave me Simon House, 1835, mm-hmm. first start, all this, 
you know, different uh, pamphlets and stuff. And, yeah. you know, 1835, 26th or 27th Avenue. I thought, geez, I used to live down there. I think, mm-hmm. well, that's probably where I should go. And I had no intention of going into treatment. And, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and the address didn't really click in my mind other than that's the general neighborhood yeah. I used to live in. Eh? And I remember going in there and uh, I'm walking up to the, the doorway of the house. You've been there, so you know what it looks yeah. like. And, and I just kind of stopped well, to finish my cigarette. Well, it looks much different now than it used to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the uh, I stopped to, to finish my cigarette, and uh, I looked over in their seventh step there. Eh? Oh yeah. And I was thinking, you know, that's where I started. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole career of being a shithead, right? Yeah. Um, was there, and it just brought back a lot of memories and stuff, mm-hmm. and. I, you know, I, I almost walked away because I didn't yeah. want to deal with it. Eh? But I went inside and and went through the interview pro process with the uh, with uh, Peter, and, uh, and Peter said uh, some things to me that uh, you know I took the cotton on my ears just long enough to hear the him tell me that uh, that uh, he didn't want to be like his father, and that mm-hmm. what what brought him into treatment. Eh? Yeah, and. Who is this guy? Do you read my mail? Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's the exact right thing to say. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's probably a coincidence, Mike. Another coincidence, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for for sure. You know, know, I was scared. I was scared shitless of him, eh? Because I thought he looked right through me, right? Yeah. And maybe he did, you know. But uh, I had a real hard time talking with him, right? Mm. You know, because. I wasn't really sure where I was at or what I was yeah. doing. I never, I didn't go into treatment because, you know, because I thought I needed it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. You know, um, so it took took a while for me to get on board with the whole yeah. thing. You know, so so anyway, I don't know how much uh, how much else. Well, yeah, it's up to you how much you want to share. Like, do you have any like if you could be as succinct as possible with maybe giving people who are out there who might be struggling, might be suffering. Are there some things that you could tell them? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Um, you're not alone. Yeah. That's basically it, eh? Yeah. You know, and I, I know I felt alone for a yeah. long time, eh? You know, sometimes I still do, right? Mm. But, uh, um, you know, a lot of, I, I think I felt that I was always bothering people when I, when mm-hmm. I asked for help, you know, yeah. it was almost like, you know, that first time that I went into the booth center to apply for welfare, mm-hmm. it was like, I always got the feeling that I was just a, a mooch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that, I don't know, that thought carried with me for, for my whole life, yeah. right? Do you know what I mean? If I if I had any advice, you know, it would be just stop doing what you're doing and mm-hmm. and stop thinking about what you're doing and just go in and get help. Yeah, right. Um, I, I listen to this speaker all the time, um, Bob Darrell, mm-hmm. and uh, he said something that uh, that I find to be really helpful, and that's the first thing that an alcoholic addict gets back. Is his opinion, right? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and, that's, and that's the most dangerous thing. Right? Oh, isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Because I've always had an opinion, and mm-hmm. if, if I wanted your opinion, I'd give it to you. Right? Yeah, and that's—I know a lot of people are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to get away from that. Okay, well, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, I, you need to have a spiritual experience, right? And, you know, I just thought, what the hell does that mean? And, yeah, you know, and you know, over the years, I've had many, 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 mm-hmm. you know, those, those aha moments. Yeah, and all of a sudden, something made sense that didn't make sense. Yeah. Right? you know and I used to just forget about it say so yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's bullshit yeah but now I make it part of me right? mm-hmm. you know what I mean so um, because that's how the change happens right absolutely yeah. yeah yeah it's it's kind of like something you triggered there was um, about the spiritual experience in the back of the book yeah. And it talks about that fundamental alteration, right, to the way we interact with the world or the way the world we see the world. Absolutely. Right? Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's what all those little moments add up to, right? Yeah. All the little ones stack up into that that perspective of, uh, yeah, this is all spiritual. It is right. This yeah. is all spiritual. It's not religious at all. It's spiritual. Yeah. And, and that's part of why it can be so confusing for lots yeah. of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you know the God work mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah, you know, what was your experience like with that? Because it didn't sound like when you were a child that you went to church. Like, well, ironically enough, I did. Did you? Yeah. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was in several foster homes that were mm. coincidentally all Baptists. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. So, interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Weird, eh? It's like yeah. maybe the social order was looking for Baptists. Yeah. I don't know, but. Hellfire Brimstone. Um, oh, that's shitty. It wasn't. You know, um, you're going to hell, and I said, okay, yeah, that's maybe what is going to happen. Eh? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I did, you know, become born again at a time, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't think I've ever walked away from that. Yeah. Whereas I walked away from the church. Um, organization yes like when I did my five I did it at the mountain mm-hmm. and you know I still struggled then and you know one of the monks the one that heard my my five he said to me don't let religion get in the way of your understanding of God mm-hmm. right I thought, well that makes a lot of sense you know because yeah. you know God is inside of me right you know I didn't put the two things together yeah you know but I think that that's, you know, the spiritual part of it is just how I feel as I look at the world. Eh? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's the alteration to the way we see the world, right? Absolutely, yeah. 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 And what a fundamentally um, important change for us, right? Absolutely. For people, yeah. well, for everyone, but especially for people like you and me who yeah. can't drink, right? Like, yeah. can't drink safely. Yeah. You know, there there needs to be, there's some connection there that keeps us connected to each other i mean really if you think about it when i went to the first like the first time i went to a 12-step meeting like i'm not geared for that like i'm not i wasn't when i walked in the room that's for sure right now i'm much more geared for it yeah because i i I accept that non-verbal agreement we all have right that we're going to be there to well best of our ability try to help each other for sure right Yeah, and I, I, to me, that's the main reason the twelve the twelve step foundation or twelve step groups work, right? Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. it's us getting together. Yeah, 
and solving our problems and mm-hmm. you know I, you know like CBT cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy done in a group that's yep. very much similar to an AA meeting very much right? so you know so you know so <clears throat> you know and that's you know that's what I like about 1835 mm-hmm. is the fact that you know um, as long as you follow the rules there nobody really bothers you yeah Do you know what I'm saying like we have a set of guidelines for the house yeah you got to go to the certain meetings you got to be on time mm-hmm. you got to make your bed and you know you can't be ignorant to other people yeah reasonable stuff reasonable stuff it's just yeah. you know what everybody normal people do whatever yeah. that is right <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> you know so do you have any other ideas about stuff you'd want to do are you, are you planning on stick staying where you are or yeah yeah, yeah. for this for the time being yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it seems like a really good place. Well, it is, you know. Um, I work with some good people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we're all different in, in, in fundamental ways. Thank God for that. And that, you know, and that what that's what is attractive about mm-hmm. the, the staff there is the fact that everybody's so different, right? Yeah. You know, and we kind of gel as a group, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause we get guys that come in from all different walks of yeah. life, right? And, yeah. You know, they can't, not everybody can relate with everybody, right? No, of course not. So, you know, I got a pretty simple way of putting things in, mm. you know, and so people appreciate that. I, yeah. I don't blow smoke up anybody's ass. It's uh, the truth, right? Mm. You know, sometimes they don't like it. Sometimes they do. Yeah. And just like me, sometimes I don't like it. You know? Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I remember my first home group and... Uh, I'm not going to mention it, but uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, a bunch of old timers, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I joined the group mostly because I couldn't stand any of them, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought, I got to change mo- these guys. <laughs> right? The most interesting thing about about Twelve Steps is that people pick their sponsor because they couldn't stand the guy, yeah, right? Because we're we're trying to get into this. Okay, I can't make the world what I want it. I need to be okay in the world, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I I I did a lot of my service work for that with that group, mm-hmm. you know, GSR. I remember the the first the first uh, business meeting I went to, you know, um, and and started to become part of the group was uh, it wasn't quite a year, it was a few months to a year, and mm-hmm. uh, so there one of the secretary asked for the GSR report, and well, they didn't have one, right? So mm-hmm. I said, well, what's the GSR? Because I had no idea what yeah. that was, right? And and she piped up right away. You gotta have a year, right? So geez, I got I carried that resentment for right up until the year, yeah. right? I, <laughs> so what's well, this GSR thing? And yeah. So they all voted on it, and here it was, mm-hmm. right? So you know, my resentments ended up carrying me to that, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, after about four four years with that group, I started to realize why I didn't like a lot of the people. Mm. It was because they were so much like me. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> it's hard to look in the mirror sometimes. It is, know? especially if you're in the middle of it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I um, heard a, I heard an interesting thing the other day, and it, it it's kind of like a, I guess it's pretty much my philosophy as well. But I heard it from someone else. Sometimes that's nice to get that, hear it, and go. Oh yeah, that is kind of what what we're doing, um, and the idea of understanding that not just, not just the good stuff builds who we are, right? Like 
the bad stuff's important. And well, I say bad stuff, but I don't really think of it as bad. I just think of it as less desirable stuff that happened to us, right? Because the reality is it's all essential, like all of it. Um, There's nothing that is outside of the human experience when you're a human experiencing it, right? So to, to assume, and I think lots of young people assume this today, that we should always be feeling good or you're doing something wrong, right? And I don't know about you, but I still wrestle with that, right? Like, even though I know intellectually it's bullshit, like it's 100% bullshit because you could do everything right and this life owes you nothing. (laughs) It doesn't. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it owes us nothing. And to be able to accept that, I think was, well, recovery gave me that, right? Gave me the ability to simply say, yeah, it's all necessary, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, I heard this a lot of times in some of the AA rooms that uh, the AA the AA steps make you happy. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't make you happy. Not to me. Not to me. <laughs> I mean, they just they, they enable me to deal with life on life's terms. Yeah, you know whether I'm happy or not. Happiness mm-hmm. is okay. Right? There's nothing wrong with it, of course. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But, you know, I've always been kind of, it's always been kind of dangerous for me to be too happy all the time, right? Because yeah. that's, that's usually when I started to get drunk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I need to be more happy. Yeah. Yeah, I want to be happier, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And and my with me, the mania, the manic side of me takes me there and gets, as I have to watch out. I am more afraid of being too excited yeah. than being too depressed. I'm used to being depressed, so I can kind of maneuver down there, right? Sure. But when it's up here in the manic side of things, man, it's just hard to pay attention because I'm moving so fast. And have you ever seen anybody who's manic move slow? No. No. <laughs> yeah, you don't, right? Yeah. Like a bull yeah. in a china shop. Yeah, for sure. How much time are we at? An hour. Yeah? Yeah, no. Sweet. Cool. Is there anything else you want to say, man? Um, I really appreciate your time, Mike. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate too. I didn't know this, but... Almost at the same time frame, too, in our lives, we both had two-year sentences. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, probably not in the same year because we're probably a little bit different in age. But yeah. um, the reality is when I was 17 to 19 to 20, I had, was on a two-year conditional sentence. Is that right? Yeah. And it's weird because it was for robberies, too. Is it? <laughs> that's why okay. I was sitting here like, that's really... I, I never held the gun, but it was for a group of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Robberies and B&Es and stuff. yeah. yeah. Far yeah. out. It was more a joke than anything. Eh? Like, yeah. none of us were violent. I mean, <laughs> no. You know, Seriously. I mean, there's this guy, this clerk, just laughing at us and saying, no, get out of here. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, you're probably not on a good run. Yeah, for if sure. If the clerk says, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have to try a different job. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Did you get a picture of us, dude? Not yet. All right. I'll let you get one because we're going to be finished here pretty quick. Yeah. Well, the... Uh, Are you okay with us taking a picture of us? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no okay, problem. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. The, um, I guess the... Uh, need to know, want to know anything about the workings of... 1835 or... Sure, yeah. Like if, I mean, what are the... Yeah, tell us the criteria if people are looking to get in. Well, you know, basically if a person wants to get in, they got to be five days clean. Okay. You know, people that are under the influence are not really making good decisions sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, or can't, uh, you know, understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
um, and they make appointment and uh, they come in to see us, yeah. have an interview, and we decide whether or not a person's eligible to get mm -hmm. in. Like we don't, you know, <laughs> violent crime and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, you know, we just try to stay away from that. Eh? Like 1835 is a very, um, it's a really good house, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, the. Um, We've never had any problems with, uh, you know, people coming in with guns and mm. things like that. You know what I yeah. mean? So um, then, once you get in, uh, the first uh, forty-two days, uh, a lot of meetings and stuff. Mm. But, uh, I don't know what. Uh, like I said, if you play by the rules, and you know, it doesn't matter what you do, you can stay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And so part of the rules, like I'll, that's a good. This is a good um, time to ask. I think. Part of the rules, you, like you guys don't direct people to believe in some faith over another. No. Like it's it's just open, right? Yeah. Well, we as counselors, we go through the first three steps with the guys to help, okay. right? You know, and we expect guys to go out to outside meetings mm -hmm. you know, and uh, outside meetings in the city, um, not the same one all the time, different yeah. ones to find a group that they can fit in. Mm -hmm. And get a sponsor, yeah. Because <laughs> you know the last thing I think that uh, anybody needs is uh, you know if you're at uh, you know in treatment for you know two or three months mm -hmm. and you grow dependent on being counseled by the people there, yeah. you don't get any connections in, in AA. Then when you leave, it's mm -hmm. like now what? Yeah, you know what I mean. So much more challenging too, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I've heard this uh, from a lot of uh, old timers in AA that. Uh, and alumni mm. of the house at uh, 1835 is a AA boot camp. Right? Oh yeah! So you get through the first three steps and yeah. get out, get out to the to the real world and, mm. and start putting it into action. Right? Yeah. You know? and, so that's cool. It's a yeah. good place to go for boot camp because well, I mean, when else do you need it, man? You're we're trying to learn brand new ways to live. Right, yeah, absolutely. To getting rid of those old selfish ideas and yeah. moving into yeah. something new. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I never uh, ate uh, dinner at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'd, I'd go a week without eating. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean? you could you, you could do all kinds of things to not eat. Yeah. 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 So I'll plug uh, Alice. Alice is the cook now, and uh, oh yeah, you guys love her. I think I just saw a post from someone we've had on the show on the podcast, Clay. Yeah, he posted what she cooked, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, it looks pretty good." It was like it was curry chicken, yeah. turkey, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Who knows with her? Yeah, it was anyway. I, I just I was like, "Well, that looks like a really nice meal." Like, yeah, yeah. Good that's, for those dudes. Yeah, that's one uh, one thing that's always been one hundred percent is uh, yeah. the food. You know, guys come in there. I know I I was I was malnourished, right? mm -hmm. so my brain wasn't thinking correctly because yeah. of that. You know. In a lot of ways, so, so it's important all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, especially when we're just neglecting our everything else except for the chemical that we want, right? Absolutely, yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's our focal point. So, well, Mike, thank you so much, man, for coming in today. Yeah, no problem. I I, uh, I really appreciate you agreeing to this. I have a feeling that it probably is is something that you wouldn't normally do, um, but I I'm really grateful that you came. Yeah, well, thank it. you. Thanks for asking. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. 
And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.